let's dive into our series today. We are in this series called Foundations. If you're new to Catalyst, we, we do messages in series. And this series is really all about building a strong foundation spiritually. We know this, in order for buildings to be built high, they must have a deep foundation. And in order for our lives spiritually to, to fulfill what God's called us to, our purposes, we must have a firm foundation. Uh, and Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 24, that those who hear my words and put them into practice are like those who are, are building their life, uh, or build his house on the rock, that we're building our life on a firm foundation. So this series, we are looking at foundational elements of our faith. Our first week, we discussed the concept of faith. Uh, then we discussed the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. Then we discussed last week, eternal life. Uh, and today... I want to discuss a topic that I think it's important to bring clarity scripturally. Um, again, uh, this is a, a series where we're, we're looking deeply into the scriptures of what does God's word have to say about these. And today I want to discuss the topic of the church. And what is the role of the church in our lives? Uh, and maybe depending on how you grew up in your tradition, you might have different conceptions of the church. Maybe for some of you, when you think of church, you think of a church building. Uh, you went up and you went to church at a, at a certain building. Uh, maybe you grew up going to a church with a steeple and um, maybe stained glass windows. Uh, maybe for others of you, you associate church with a worship service, much like you've experienced today. Maybe for some of you, church was, uh, you are a part of a church, and what you remember uh, is that, 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 that community of people, that spiritual family who were taking care of you, who were there for your family in a difficult season. Or maybe for you, you churches, you remember going out with a group of people and serving the community. There are many different conceptions, depending on really what your, your, your background and, and upbringing and tradition might be. Many of you, Catalyst is your first church home. So what you know of church may be what you've experienced here. And the pandemic also, I think, did something to people's concept of church because there was a period of time we experienced this for one year, 13 months to be exact. We could not do some of the things we do as the church. We couldn't do this, gather physically. Uh, so it, I think it kind of, some people maybe have brought a little lack of clarity on really what is the role of church in our lives. And we're not going to look necessarily at, you know, kind of, we're not going to get into the details of, of methodology and all of that. In fact, there's a lot of things about the church in terms of methodology, like should you sing upbeat songs or hymns? Uh, the Bible's not clear on that. Uh, there are lots of things the Bible's not clear on, so we're not going to, again, I said this last week, we're not going to speculate what the Bible's not clear. Uh, we're not going to speak definitively where God's not definitive on, uh, but we will speak definitively on what the Bible is definitive on when it comes to the church. Let me say one last thing, because I know this might be some of you in the room. Um, that sometimes when it comes to church, uh, our, our approach to our relationship with the church of Jesus Christ uh, can be affected by, um, at times, hurt we've experienced in church uh, by somebody else. And I'm, I'm compassionate towards that because I have been there. Um, but as someone who has been there, I, I want to give you just some encouragement is to not allow um, an imperfect person to prevent you from experiencing all that God has for you. Uh, because here's the reality. There's no church that's perfect. You want to know why? Because you're here. Come on, somebody. Uh, if you're looking for a perfect church, then don't show up because you'll ruin it for the rest of us. That was a joke. You can loosen up a little bit. Okay. 
None of us are perfect. Let me be clear. We serve a perfect God whose name is Jesus, but the person to your right, to your left, in front of you and behind you is an imperfect person. They might say things. They might do things that will offend you. Uh, That's the reality of life, right? And uh, I'm here to give us a biblical perspective of what is the purpose and the role of the church today. Let me also say this, that today's message um, is going to be a we message Uh, There'll be application for you, but it'll be focused on us and how we are to relate to each other, to the outer, uh, to the community. And we're going to look at the narrative of the early church. We're going to lean upon church tradition because one of the ways, uh, the best way to interpret scripture is with scripture uh, because God doesn't contradict himself. But one of the second best ways to interpret scripture is what has been taught historically in the church. Um, because there are most issues theologically have been pretty consistent uh, in the church of Jesus Christ. There have been minor differences that you will see in different theological traditions. Uh, but for the most part, there are many things that the church has agreed upon and taught on. And uh, when it comes to the purpose of the church, there is pretty wide agreement on what are some of the primary purposes of the church Again, across different theological spectrums. So we're going to lean into one scripture, but two, historic tradition of the church on really what is the role of what we call church. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray as we open it up today, God, we are expectant that you are going to speak to us today. And we just posture our hearts and minds uh, to receive from you. And we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles with you. Um, Acts chapter 2, we'll have them on the screens. Uh, but Acts 2, 42 is what we're going to read. This is the narrative of the early church. This is to give context. Jesus had ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit had just filled the believers. Uh, for more on the Holy Spirit, you can go back two weeks in our message to, where we share about the Holy Spirit. Uh, But it says here in verse 42 that they, referring to the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. That word devoted, it means to be deeply committed to. Uh, So they were committed to several things. Uh, You'll also note there to the breaking of bread. For those of you who are anti-carbohydrates, you are disobeying the word of God, okay? Uh, That was a joke. Um, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to share with you just three thoughts from uh, three purposes that we see of the church, that we see in this narrative, and we see, uh, again, uh, agreed upon uh, historically in the church. And uh, I'll give them to you briefly, and then I'll, I'll go through our points. Uh, and that is the, the purposes of the church are to, to worship God, to care for each other, and to, to serve and to reach the world. Uh, that's our three focuses, and that's our three points today that we're going to focus on. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, just write this down somewhere. We worship God, and we live according to the word of God. We live by the word. The Bible says first they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching. Now, they didn't have at this point uh, in history, they didn't have the New Testament written like we do now. Uh, so their devotion was to the apostles' teaching of the scriptures, the ways of Christ. Uh, we, of course, now have the scriptures. But something that was central to the early church was both worship and the word. It was central. Uh, the early church gathered in the temple daily to worship. And uh, worship included, now we're going to get to worship is far more than the singing of songs, but it included that. In fact, what was very common in the early church was when they would gather to sing, they would sing psalms, like Psalms 84. They would, they would sing the psalms together. Uh, they would praise God because we see uh, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, praise is something common to God's people praising him. In fact, Psalm 145.3 says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. That word praise there means to shout for joy. Uh, you know, praise is not something culturally that we are unfamiliar with, right? Have you ever been to a, a concert before and people praise the band? Like they're doing the encore and everyone's like, yeah, woo, right? Or you go to a, to a, to a, to a, a team, uh, one of your favorite teams, and you you cheer when they score a touchdown, right? Uh, many of you know this, that uh, I, I'm a Baltimore Ravens football fan, i.e. God's team. We know this. Um, that's not true, my opinion. But when they score a touchdown, in fact, even before they play, they have a song they play when they score. But even before they play it, the fans start screaming it. I think we have a clip of the song when they score. Maybe. There it is. You can sign it off. It's a very sophisticated, <laughs> it's a very sophisticated song. In case you don't know the lyrics, it goes like, oh, 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 oh. It's like, what can we, what song can we play that even inebriated people will remember? Come on. <laughs> Let's just make noises with our mouth. Yes. I like it. Um, come on. You, you go to a, a football game. I, I, I've been to many of them. And you will see grown men losing their minds, won't you? Like, like losing their voice, like shirts off, painted chest, you know. If that's you, we're going to pray for you after service. Um, probably shouldn't do that publicly. Um, but, but listen, we, why, we, we praise musicians because they play great. We sing that song at a football stadium when they score a touchdown. But sometimes the very people who do those things at a concert and a football game will come into church and be like this. And we say, well, I, I, like, I like to be more reserved in church. Listen, if you like to be more reserved in church, why aren't you reserved at your favorite concert? Why aren't you reserved at your favorite team? You know what the Bible says? You shout for joy. Listen, if you don't like loud things, heaven might be difficult for you. Because heaven will be loud. Right now, angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The angels are not being quiet. So why should we, as the people of God here on earth, living to glorify Jesus, why would we come into a church service? And listen, we cheer when football teams play great, but we praise God because he is great. 
that when we come in, we say, God, I worship you. God, I, God, you're my provider. You're my gyra. You're my living hope. Listen, God, if you don't do anything else for me, if you never answer another prayer, if you never bless me one more moment, you put breath in my lungs. You've saved my soul. Therefore, to the day that I die, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. You might even see, I start dancing sometimes on the front row, no lie. I bring back my old school days. God's redeemed it. Come on. Can I tell you, David danced before the Lord. Listen, some might be uncomfortable with this, but I want to challenge you. If you would do it for a football team, if you would cheer, let me speak to football fans because I am one, or baseball fans, or hockey fans, name your sport, name your, your band. Why would you cheer for a, a group of men hitting each other? But you won't come into church and you won't cheer, you won't praise the man who saved your soul. He saved you from the depths of hell. In fact, I think right now, can we just take three seconds and let's just praise God. Come on, lift your voice, church. Come on. God, we thank you. God, we worship you. You are worthy of all praise and all honor. Church, listen, 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 there, there's moments, there's moments for, for to be reserved in prayer, but not the whole time. You need to have moments where you're coming in and you're praising God. You're, you're, <laughs> I love when David's wife was embarrassed by his dancing and he said, I'm going to act more undignified than this. Can I tell you, God is, wor is worthy of you losing your dignity. Some of you lose dignity for your favorite band, but you won't lose dignity for Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to move on. Sorry, I know. Some people are getting uncomfortable. But you know what? He's worthy. That's what I want you to catch, church. He's worthy. He is great. He is the greatest. John 4, 23, worship is more than the lifting of our voices. Jesus said this, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. That word worship is the word proscuno. That word uh, proscunal. That word means to lay prostrate, to be in submission to. Uh, it's like someone who is laying down in submission after being uh, in war. They're giving up. They're surrendering. So Jesus says that true worshipers is a surrender to God. So worship is far more than the songs you sing on Sunday. I, I don't worship on Sunday and just go about my life on Monday. Uh, in fact, you know this, yet when you get up tomorrow morning and you go into work, you, 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 you can worship God while you work. Uh, when you work as unto God, when you work with excellence, when you work with integrity, when you work with honesty, when you work of knowing in my heart, I am not just working for my boss. Yes, I do submit to her because God's word says all authority is from God. That's a whole other message. But I do it as unto God. That, that, that when, I, when I love my, my, my children, when I love my spouse, when I, as a husband, lay my life down for, for Christina as Christ did for the church, as husbands are called to do, that is worship. And, and in spirit and in truth means that I am, I, I worship and I submit to the spirit of God and to the truth of the word of God. I, I love what the author of Hebrews says, worship God acceptedly, acceptably with reverence and all. That word all means all-consuming. That worship consumes your life. Listen, God does not want to be an accessory to your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life. 
And can I tell you, you will be unhappy with God as an accessory because you're trying to fit him into a box he was never intended to fit into. He is called to be on the throne of your heart, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that we worship him in every area of our life. It means, it means God consumes how I relate to people, meaning this, that, that when, I, when I look to, I, I live in submission to his spirit and his word. So how I relate to people, how I manage my money, how I treat myself, how I worship God is determined by what his word has said and what his spirit's leading me to do. That he's all-consuming, that we worship God, we, we allow him. The, the, the early church was a community of people who they were known in, in, in Rome as a, as a countercultural community. Because they were living differently than the culture around them. Why? Because they were living a life of worship, proskunal, submission to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. They were a community of people that valued righteousness in ancient Rome that was full of immorality. They were a community of people that stood up for the marginalized and oppressed in a very oppressive culture, in a very patriarchal culture that oppressed many groups. They, they, they lived as a people group that were different. That why? Because they were living a life of worship. They were also known in, in ancient Rome as the people of the book. And they were called the people of the book for their commitment to the word of God. I love this. This is what Paul says to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Paul highlights here four functions the word of God plays in our life as believers, as the church of Jesus. First is teaching. It teaches me how to live. It shows me how to love my wife. It shows me how to manage my money. It shows me how I'm going to relate to my boss. It shows me how I'm going to treat other people. It shows me how to live. The word rebuking there, it means it shows me the error of my way. Uh, have, you, have you ever had a moment where you, when you read the word of God, where the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, convicts you of something? All of a sudden, you become aware of how you've, you've been approaching something wrong. Maybe there's some area of sin in your life that it'll offer correction. Because I was thinking of, of, of how important it is in our life to, to be shown the error of our way. I was reminded of my, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Hannah, which I'm really proud of her. She uh, played softball for the first time this year. Remember, early on in the season, she would throw the ball. When she'd go to throw the ball, she would often lift her leg up a little bit too high. And what it ended up causing her to do was, was to throw the, 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 the ball was, was oftentimes inaccurate. And so there was one practice. Her coach spent some time with her. Then afterwards, I showed her. I said, Hannah, when you, when you throw, don't lift it up so high. Like, lift it up shorter so you kind of can throw more accurately. And then by the, from, from that moment, one of the first practices to the end of the year, and I, I'm, I'm a proud dad. She, she, she was so good at it. She got so good at the fielding and throwing. Uh, she eventually be, got invited to be on the all-star team. Uh, that she, can I, can I tell you, in the same way, listen, the coach was correcting her, and it helped her. Allow God's word to show you the error of your way. Allow God's word. You've heard this said. It's cliche, but it's true. You know, we don't read the word of God. The word of God reads us. Uh, but allow the word of God to correct you, to show you where maybe some things that you're doing are not right. The third is, the word, the word correcting in the Greek, it actually means to align my will with God's will. In the same way you take your car in to get an alignment uh, for your wheels to be adjusted, the word of God aligns your will with God's will. So when you're opening, when you're reading it, it's, it's actually aligning you so you're, you're more in step with what God wants for you. And then lastly, is it develops your potential. 
It trains you for righteousness. It trains you for what God's called you to. Now, in the context of church, what's the role of church leaders? Paul said this in Ephesians 4, verse 11. God, Christ gave himself, himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. The body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So my responsibility, there are many things that I do and, and leaders here at the church do, but the primary responsibility is to equip you for works of service. That word service can also be translated your ministry or your calling, and not just your ministry or service in the church, although we'll get to this, you are called to serve and minister in the church body itself, but also the ministry of raising your kids. Come on, parents. <laughs> Uh, how many of you know, when you, when, you, when you take care of those kids, you serving. Come on, somebody. Your, your ministry and calling in your workplace tomorrow. When you go into the NIH or Walter Reed or you go down sound on Capitol Hill or you go into your business tomorrow or as an educator, that's a ministry. If God's called you to it, uh, that's a ministry he's called you to. Uh, we've said this before. How many know God is not confined to solely what happens in the four walls of a church? Can I get an Amen. If God's called you to it, he's called you to be a minister in it. So, so the, the Bible actually shows us how to live. As David says in the Old Testament, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It shows us how we're to live and operate in this world. And my role is to equip you with the teaching of the word of God. Here's the role of a pastor in your life. A pastor helps through the teaching of the word of God to give you sound doctrine and theology. So that we can, we can understand the scriptures. We can understand how we're to live. You know, I was thinking of a, of a metaphor to the role of a church leader, and I was reminded some years ago I'd gone fly fishing. I had never been fly fishing before. Uh, one, one gentleman in our group had gone. So we had gotten a, a fly fishing guide who had, like, worked this river, this section of this river. Um, and he, he knew the river. He knew what equipment you should use. He knew the fly that you should use to catch the fish. So we had gone with him. Because he had been studying, he studies this, that's his, that's his full-time, you know, role. And then he knew exactly where. And, and sure enough, when, in about 15 minutes, we caught like five fish. Um, I thought it was a big deal. And then I went fishing by myself. And I was like, I am not a big deal. Um, this is hard. I need a guide. <laughs> uh, but listen, he, he equipped us so we could catch fish. My responsibility is to equip you so you can fulfill your calling. You can fulfill what God has called you to do. So we, we are the people of God. We are the church. And what do we do? We gather to worship God, right? It's with the songs we sing but with the life we live. And we are a people of the book. We read the word and we sit under the teaching of the word. Here's the second point. So the first point is we worship God and live by the word of God. Secondly, is we are committed to and we care for one another. They were devoted, the scripture says in verse 42, to fellowship. To fellowship. That word fellowship is the word koinonia. Koinonia means uh, gener to be generous, to, to share, to partner, uh, to, to contribute. And that word devoted, again, it means to, to persevere. You know, the Bible in the New Testament it oftentimes refers to the, the church as the family of God. When you often read the scriptures, they'll say brother or sister, and they're referring to the family of God, spiritual family. 
and the koinonia exemplifies this, but the church is, is different in its relation. Um, that oftentimes when you think of your alumni association, you don't call them brother or sister or think of them as family. <laughs> uh, when you think of a recreational club, you don't think of them as family necessarily. But what Paul says, or what the author of uh, Luke says in Acts, uh, what even Jesus said in the Gospels, and what Paul reinforces, and Peter and James, the authors of the New Testament, reinforces that we are spiritual family, and we are to be devoted and to committed as one another as family. In the same way, come on, you have family in your life, uh, that uh, there's some family that you, you are committed to, right? Come on, you show up to their birthday party. Come on, anybody else, you have family that you're committed to, but if they weren't your family, you're like, I don't even like them. Come on, somebody. We all got that uncle, that cousin. You're like, I don't like them, but I love them, right? You know, it, there, there's a family has a different level of commitment. And let me just say this, that everybody that you, you are a part of a local church, you're, you're a part of a local church with, you're not going to like. Um, there are people as a part of whatever local church, if it's here at Catalyst, there are people that, that vote differently than you. That, that think differently than you, that you may not even necessarily say, man, I, I, mean, I, I want to be their friend, but they're spiritual family. It's different. In fact, I, I even find this still hard to believe. But we have Pittsburgh Steelers fans here. <laughs> Only Jesus could ever make me love you. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we, we actually have a large number of them. Um, but I'm praying one day they'll, they'll convert. Uh, but we also, we have a commitment here to the local church. And most of the New Testament writings speak to a local church. The church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica. But then there's also what's called the universal church. Now that phrase isn't necessarily used in the scriptures. Um, Theologically, they'll call it the universal church and the local church or the invisible church and the visible church. And here's what it refers to. Um, most of our activity and most of, of what the Bible speaks to is for a local church that you're a part of, i.e. Catalyst Church. Um, but we also are a part of, when we say the, the church, some might say the big C church, they're referring to all Christians around the world. Everybody who professes Jesus as Lord is a part of the universal church, meaning we are all, that Christ is our head and we are his body. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, that just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. There are many different types of local churches, and there are some local churches that have different types of music, different types of ministry and methodology, but what makes, what, what, what joins the universal church is Jesus Christ. There might be differences in minutia of theology, but what joins us is Jesus Christ, and that's what it refers to. Now, most of our, again, commitment is locally, but we do have some commitment universally. In fact, in 325, the Nicene Creed was written. A group of church leaders got together, and they basically wrote this creed as a, what are the foundations? We have some disagreements on some things, but what are the foundations of what we believe as the church? Uh, and what are some, and you can look that up online, and it kind of speaks to basic Christian, Christian beliefs, orthodox. Uh, and here's one of the, what they say about the, the church. Uh, in fact, they call it the four marks of the church, that it's one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. One meaning this, we have one head, his name is Jesus Christ. 
And aren't you grateful for Jesus? Can I get an amen? amen. He, is the, he is the chief shepherd. He is the head. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the leader of Catalyst Church and all churches. We're one. We're holy. It means we're set apart. We are a set apart people. We do not merely live according to the laws of the land. We live according to the law of the Lord. A law that sets us free. That means we don't condition our habits and behaviors according to the cultural norms and mores. We actually condition ourselves according to the word and ways of God. We are a holy people. Catholic is not referring to the Catholic church as we know it. Um, they've kind of taken that term. But Catholic simply means one body. So we have one head Jesus and we are all one body under Christ. And then apostolic means we are devoted to the scriptures. So we live by the scriptures. So one, under Jesus. Holy, we are set apart. Catholic, we are one body. And apostolic, we live by the word of God. Again, let me say this. A way that we as a church are committed to the, the greater church, the universal church as a whole, is we do things that is partner with organizations like the Association of Related Churches they plant churches. There are churches that your giving has helped support that you'll never see. Uh, we partner with One Hope. They actually help plant churches in hard-to-reach areas, countries we cannot say publicly because where they're planting underground churches, it's illegal to be a Christian. Uh, we partner with One Child, and we, we have a child sponsorship with some children in Haiti, and that helps support 10 local churches in Haiti. Many of you may never see those churches, although we will take trips in the future. But many of you may not see them, but we support them. Why? Because we are one body with one head. His name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? But we are called to be a part of a local church. Um, the idea of being a Christian and not having a local church you're a part of is not found in the New Testament. In fact, oftentimes when they refer to baptizing, um, it, it's what, baptizing, you know, public water baptism. Um, but it also refers to people who be baptized into a church. God sets the lonely in families. That we have a calling to be a part of a, of a local church. Paul said this in Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That word love there is the word phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. But if you've been to Philadelphia, there ain't much love. Come on, somebody. <laughs> If you're from Philly, we love you. Just don't throw anything at me, okay? Um, I'm actually going to be there this week, so I'll give you a report on how they're doing there. Uh, but that word devoted, again, to, to each other as family and to honor one another above yourselves, to be as committed as a family. It means we don't merely attend church. We, we, we get planted in a church. In fact, Psalm 92.13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. In fact, I want to illustrate this for you briefly um, with a visual illustration of being planted uh, and the importance of being planted. You know, when you plant something, uh, I myself am not necessarily someone with a green thumb, but when you plant something like this hydrangea, and don't be too impressed that I know what it is. Um, Home Depot had a tag on it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> don't judge me, but the only time, the only time your boy goes to Home Depot is to get a sermon illustration, okay? Uh, so pray for Christina. <laughs> I go in there, I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. Um, 
But when you, when you plant something, when you're planted, right, the Bible uses agrarian language oftentimes. And when you plant this flower in this soil, um, you'll see its root system because the, 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 the hydrangea, any plant, it, it gets minerals and nutrients and oxygen from this soil. If I were to completely pull this hydrangea out of the soil um, and leave it out with its roots bare, not planted in any soil, it would not live. Um, it may be okay for a few days, but over the course of time, it needs soil. Can I tell you this? If you are a follower of Jesus, please hear this. You need a church home where you're planted where your roots can go deep. You don't just attend a service on Sunday. Like you're in, a, you're in a community group. You're in community. You have people who can care for you and you can care for them. People who can pray for you and you can pray for them. We're called to be planted. And on the same notion, a lot of times what, what can happen, and I've seen this, and please, if this is you, there's no condemnation. But we can, you know, you've heard the phrase maybe church hopping. People will go to a church for three to six months, maybe something happens, a pastor says something they don't agree with or someone, you know, offends them. And again, these things are going to happen. And they'll, they'll pull out and they'll go somewhere else. But if I were to continually um, pull up and repot, pull up and repot, pull up and replant this, this, this hydrangea, it would actually never get the benefits of the soil. I want you to hear me. When those who come brand new to Catalyst Church, I always tell them this. They're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll love the service. And I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, once you get planted and you get into the soil of Catalyst Church and you get to know how great the people are that you sit next to on a Sunday, you allow someone to care for you and pray for you, that you pray for others and care for others and serve others, that's the beauty of the church. If you've experienced that, can you say Amen. That's why the Bible says when you plant yourself, you will flourish in life. Let your, let your roots go deep. So maybe some of you today, it's, it's joining a community group. Next week, come to our next steps where you're going to find out how to get further planted in the church. And then what we see in verse 44, out of their planting, the Bible says, the believers were all together and they held everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this refers to not a, um, a forceful contribution. This is a voluntary contribution of the people. It wasn't like they were saying, hey, you have to put everything in the pot and we'll, we'll distribute it. It was people saying, hey, I have a lot of resource. Some in the community have less. I'm going to give to support what's happening here. I'm going to give towards others. And here's the shift that we need to see, an important aspect of the New Testament church is that they were a church that contributed. And again, I, I might step on some toes, but please hear, I say this in love. Is that if you, if you approach church for what only church can do for you, and what you can get out of it, then you will miss out on the fullness of it. If you stay with the mindset of a consumer, how is the church serving my needs? How is, how is it serving my kids' needs? And you never move into... How can I meet other people's needs? Not just how can, how can I be prayed for, but how can I pray for others? 
Not just how can I be encouraged, but how can I encourage others? You will miss out on the fullness of what God has for you. And if some of you are thinking to yourself, Jeremy, I'm brand new to faith. How am I going to pray for others? Let me help you out. Look at the prayers of Jesus. They were really short. You can just pray, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Right? In the name of Jesus, period. Right? Uh, Listen, to help you out, your power does not come from you. It comes from him. So we declare the name of Jesus. So, so encourage. When you come to church, man, come, come early. You heard me say this before. Come early. Stay a little late. Look for somebody you can encourage. Look for somebody you can, maybe you see somebody, maybe, just, maybe looks discouraged. Maybe offer to pray for them. You never know what you might do. This is how the body of Christ operates. Paul says this uh, in Galatians 5.13. He says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. You know, there are 100 times in the New Testament it says one another. And every time you see a one another, it refers to how the church should relate to each other. Uh, a common one is love one another. Jesus said by how you love one another, the world will know you're my disciples. Here's what that means. How well we love each other. So let me just be clear. In the church... We should be, with each other, the most forgiving people, the kindest people, the generous people, the most gracious people. Why? Because then those who are outside can see there's something different about this group, and they see the work of Christ in our life. I heard an illustration this week about our role in the church, and it was a story of a, of a gentleman who his friend sent him some, some uh, ice skates. He had these ice skates, and he... Um, he thought to himself, man, this is great. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the ice rink and kind of skate by myself. And a week later, his friend shows up at his house with a, with a jersey, a hockey jersey. And he says, hey, did you get my skates? He's like, yeah. They were for, for me, right? He said, yeah. And here's your jersey. Like, you're on the team. So we want you to practice this next week. And, and here's, here's the moral of it is that sometimes we can, we, can, we can come to faith in Christ and we can be a part of a local church and we can, we can view it, if we're not careful, at, at, oh, this is for me and not the role that I have with the we. In other words, God blesses you with a great local church. God has set you free from sin. God has given you the joy of the Lord. He's given you a peace beyond the call of comprehension. He's given you salvation, Jesus Christ, not just so you would stay it, What's in it for me? Here are the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give and to receive. Paul says this, that we reap what we sow. It's actually better when we become contributors, when we take part and we, we care for each other. We pray for each other. We check in on each other. We serve one another on the dream team. When we do these things, Jesus says, you will be happier. Because we were created to contribute. My last scripture for this point is Ephesians 4.16. The words of Paul says this. From him, referring to Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That word joined is um, is, is actually an engineering term. It refers to the building of of a structure. So Paul says the body of Christ, the church, is built 
when we do our part, when we, when we serve each other, when we care for each other, when we check in on each other, when we bring a meal to one another. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir. You all do this beautifully. I can tell you story after story of people who've brought meals, of people who've offered to babysit, uh, who people who have even opened up their homes while someone had a gap in their housing to come live in their house. Like stories of people which is incredibly generous. Like this is you, church. Like this is the church of Jesus Christ, to care for each other. And Paul says when that happens, the body builds. And then that word held together, I love this. It literally means to be reconciled. So the body of Christ is built and people are reconciled to Jesus. That's the beauty of the church. So when you care for someone, people will be reconciled to Jesus. When you pray for someone, you are building up somebody else in love. Here's our final point. I'm going to close with this, is that we serve the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus. So we worship God, we care for each other, we serve the world. They added to their number daily in the early church. People were being saved. They were coming to faith in Christ. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That word ambassador means to act and speak on behalf of. That we are called to act on behalf of King Jesus. To speak on behalf of King Jesus. And one of the ways that we act is Galatians 6.10. Paul says, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That we're called to do good. I once heard it said this, and when you do good, you do God's will. That when you help that coworker get oriented at work, even though it's not in your job description, uh, when you help a neighbor with a project that they're working on next door, uh, when you bring a meal to someone who's in need, when you offer to pray for someone who's anxious, when you do these things, you are doing good. You are doing God's will. I love what Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen: Let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine, he says. That our good deeds, our good works, our service, our acts of kindness, our generosity. Come on, when we do the ministry of Uber Eats. Come on, somebody. Come on, you ever got an Uber Eats card and you're like, that is just what I needed. Like... Um, sometimes an Uber Eats card is more ministry than even prayer. Come on, somebody. You get an Uber Eats card, you're like, oh, you heard from the Lord. Um, but when you do that, you're shining the light of Christ. And we need, light is important. I was reminded years ago, we had this, um, our bed frame years ago was this large wooden bed frame. And, and they had the edges of the frame jutted out. And I, I slept on the side of the bed furthest from the bathroom. So in the, in the evenings, I would get up to go to the restroom, and, and it, it, it's dark. And I would, I have probably hit my shin on that bed 87 times. I, I, true story, if I had a short, you could see it. I, I have two scars on my left shin from that bed frame. So I burned that thing to the ground in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. This thing's firewood now. Got a frame with no edges jutting out. But, but what, I, what I discovered was is that, is that I would then get my phone and put on that, the, flash, the flashlight app so I could see where I was going. 
And that helped prevent me from hitting my shin. Light helps you see where you're going in the midst of darkness. And one of the things I've had several people tell me recently, it reminded me of this, is they're saying as we see our, in, in the world around us, you know, we see violence, we see hatred, we see the effect of sin, we see the darkness of our world, don't we? And when we, listen, they may not fully, people may not fully understand the gospel of Jesus Christ right now, but they understand when we make a sandwich and we give to somebody who's hungry. They understand when we show kindness to someone. They understand when we forgive someone who's wronged us. They understand when we do these things and we do good deeds as Jesus said. Can I tell you, this is why we do serve day. refugees who are fleeing violence to those who are new mothers who don't have enough for baby supplies we do all of these things to shine the light of Jesus because they may not understand the gospel but they understand our good deeds but we are more than just a social program we do those things we're called to Jesus said whatever you do for the least of these you've done for me so we do these things we're called to church I want to invite you to be a part of Serve Day. We are going to collectively shine the light of Christ really bright on July 16th. But then we share with them the hope we have. If if I gave you a Band-Aid for something, but I knew the source of your healing, and I did not tell you, that would not be fond of me, would it? We don't want to merely give someone food to fill their cupboards for a week. We want to share with them the one who can fill their soul for a lifetime, whose name is Jesus. Mark said it this way. Look at all the gospel writers. They end with the same, their own version of the Great Commission. He said this, preach the gospel. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Yes, yes, we do all of these things. We serve, we love, we do acts of kindness. We do whatever's needed. But it's for the sake of the gospel. So we live a life that's important people to be reconciled to God. You know, when I was in college, I was a, I was a student ambassador. I'm going to close the story. And uh, my, my responsibility was I, I volunteered once a week with this uh, the admissions uh, department. And when incoming uh, high school juniors and seniors who were looking at colleges would come in, I would kind of give them a brief orientation of the school. Ultimately, my goal was to represent the college well and then to advocate because the goal was to get them to apply, to be a part of the school. Then I was thinking of that this week. And whereas my responsibility then was to get them to come to a college, which would definitely benefit their life. Paul says our responsibility as an ambassador is to help people be reconciled to Jesus. How many of you know the best thing we can ever do for a person is to help them be reconciled to God? Amen. So we, we do these things as a church. We, we, we worship God. We live where people love the book. We care for each other. We love each other. We serve the world in practical and tangible ways in hopes that more people would find the hope in Jesus Christ that we have.